I think I'm quite privileged to, to say this this morning, um, but thank you to our worship team. You guys do an amazing job. I can say this because I'm not on the stage. I know how hard these guys work at putting Jesus first. And uh, I just want to honor you, all of you guys today. Thank you so much for your service. Welcome, good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jared. Um, I'm a son of the house, and uh, I am glad to be here. Um, I just want to take a moment to thank our church leaders, our elders, for this opportunity. I don't take it lightly, and um, I thank you for the opportunity today. Before I start as well, <clears throat> please forgive me if I do uh, clear my throat today. I haven't been well this week, but... Um, I want to honor our pastors. They are great people. Highly favored. Loving. Servant-hearted people. And we honor you guys. We miss our pastor. We miss Pastor Ryan. But we thank God for your leadership. I thank God for your leadership. I thank God for both of you and your family. And... It's an honor for my family to know you as friends, as our pastors, as leaders, and just spiritual, spiritual leaders as well. Um, so we honor you today. Whew, I feel a huge weight on me today, so I may not be my usual funny self, <laughs> but I'll try. Thank you, Lord. Let's just open up in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today. You are welcome here, Lord Jesus. I speak today, Lord God, and we sit here listening today, Lord Jesus, for an audience of one, which is you. I pray, Lord, that as I speak, every image of me would be taken away, Lord God, and replaced with your words today, Lord Jesus. May your name be glorified in and through this message, not my own. And I pray, Father, that lives would be changed. There would be change, transformation, O oh God, breakthrough, healing, O oh God. And that we, could, we would never be the same. And we would go forth into this year, Lord Jesus, knowing full well how God is for us, how God is with us, and he shields us from behind. Who can stand against us? In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. So there's a theme in the house this morning. From when Renata started to speak. So I'll start with the verse that I prepared. Where's Renata? That I prepared first. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. <laughs> but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Ayeka. Ayeka. A Hebrew word meaning, where are you? It's the words Jesus spoke to Adam and Eve when he came in the cool of the evening after they've eaten the fruit and they hid. Where are you? Ayeka. Where are you? It's amazing for me to read that verse and study and realize God is not physically looking for them because he already knows. The question was aimed at triggering something in them. Spiritually, where are you right now? You didn't know before. 
Something's changed. Do you know? Ayeka, where are you? Take a moment to think about that for yourself. Where are you spiritually? Let me preface this. I'm not here to condemn. <clears throat> I personally don't plan to convict. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. What I am here is to ask a series of questions to get you to look. Where are you? Twenty twenty two was a tough year for a lot of us. So was twenty twenty one. So was twenty twenty. So were many other years before that, depending on how long you've been on this earth. We've lost people. We've experienced hurt. We've strayed from the path, if we're honest. Can we, can we be honest in the house today? Can we do that? You don't have to tell me what, what's going on in your personal life. That's, that's 100% fine. But can we just be honest with ourselves and with God this morning? Maybe we've strayed from the path. I know I have in some ways. In a lot of ways. And maybe I held on to the promises of God so long that I forgot to hold on to God rather than the promises. And the more I hold on to, I know you will deliver me. I know this will end. I know I will receive breakthrough because I can't take it anymore, Lord. Does it sound familiar to anybody? You may have your own version of it today. I'm not going to go through every example that I could. I thought about it in the week. We'll be here for days. Whatever your thing is, that you're holding on to, waiting for God to validate, are you willing to let it go today? Can I ask you this? And it's, it's kind of meant to get you to think. It's not meant to get you to abort your destiny. But are you even willing to let go of the promise in pursuit of the promiser? Hey. That's a bit shocking. How how do you how do you let go of the how do you let go of the promise but hold on to the promise because the promise is spoken. I didn't ask I didn't ask God for it. I didn't I didn't say bless me. I didn't say I would have the child. I didn't say I would receive the healing. I did I didn't say I didn't ask Lord actually. You said it to me. It encouraged me, it gave me hope, it gave me faith and now you're asking to take it away. What? How, how do I trust in that God? Anybody else have that same question or is it just me? Today I submit to you, church, and I'm not going to take too much time because today we, I endeavor to pray with you. Can I submit to you today that in pursuit of the promise we held on to God, but instead of, or rather instead of holding on to God through the promise. You look at the life of Saul. Saul was doing work and ministry for God when some people found him guilty and said, you will stand trial before Pilate. Saul prayed and he said, Lord, what's going on here? And God said, don't worry, you will stand before Pilate and 
you will speak of my goodness. I will be with you. And he encounters problem after problem after problem. I read that and I was like, Lord, I would have stopped after the shipwreck. I would have stopped when that snake bit me. I would have stopped, I would have stopped, I would have stopped. You look at the life of Job. He was minding his own business, being called God's man, a man of integrity. And everything snapped up in a moment. Did he do anything wrong? No. Then why the hurt? Why the pain? Why give something only to take it away? I don't have a direct answer, but what I do have is this. Are we only with God because of what he can give us? Or are we with God because we want him? Is he not enough anymore? Question for yourself. God, are you enough for me? If you're like me, because I don't stand your proud thinking, <laughs> I'm looking at you, you guys all are in trouble. I had to answer that question and say, no, God, you're not enough for me. Shocking. How can the guy who's preaching today, led praise and worship last week, is ministering to your kids on a Friday night, not be with God. Not have faith in God. And I had to realize some things. I've held on to things that I need to let go of. You know, when I met Rachel, I, I never thought I want to find somebody so that I can have a nice car later, as a silly example. I never thought when I meet Rachel... Uh, finally, I'll get to wear those clothes. I'll finally be able to, I don't know, what's something ridiculous, get then. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Uncle Alan, you're there on a Friday night, no more pizza for you. I'm not with her for the things, I'm with her for her. What am I doing with God then that I'm failing at that? We look around us, we see the person next to us, blessed. And I say in inverted commas, blessed. Because they're they driving what I'm not driving. Yet they're looking at me thinking, sure, at least he doesn't have the debt that I can't even manage to pay. Because of this car, I don't know, I don't know if I have enough money for food at the end of the month. And I have kids and school fees and this. We envy the people around us and then we, 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 we aren't honest with one another. If we're honest, come on, let's be honest. We're not honest with each other. So we're not being vulnerable with some people close to us. And so we think everybody else has their life in order. And so we, we go back into a quiet place where the devil ministers to us, where the devil lies to us and says, See, your sin is too much. You are not enough. God is not with you. You're a failure. You're weird. That's why nobody likes you. You remember that look that person gave you? Exactly. Anybody? And then we start to change the way we pray, right? 
let's be honest, I, I've done it. I, I, I probably have done it within this week, I'm sure. Lord, please help me, Lord. If, if you can, I know, that you, I know that you are the God of breakthrough and give me breakthrough in this area that one day too, I can get a car, Lord, and I will, I will transport everybody, Lord Jesus. Lord, if you, bless me with, if you bless me with better clothes because this clothes, that's a, maybe I can get a better job. Maybe, 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 maybe we start a, a, a Daniel fast. We start a three-day fast. We start going to pre-prayer. We start doing all of these things in pursuit of what God can do instead of saying, Lord, let your will be done in my life. Now we're saying yes, but how hard is that? It's not easy to meaningfully say, let your will be done. I submit this to you today. If you are in that space, ask God to search your heart. Because somewhere we have fell in love with the world over God. Amen or Aina? Aisan, anybody? Nobody? We need to check ourselves. Where are you? Do not be transformed. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. There's a form. I have a cup here, which is giving me water. It has a shape. It has a pattern. It has a form. Water is fluid. It can take on any shape, any pattern, any form. But in this cup, there's only one form that it can adapt to. Yes? This is the pattern of the world, as an example. Do not conform, but be transformed to be without form. Come out of this form and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? We need to come up out of this world. Plain and simple, we need to come up out of this world. One of the Bible verses I have here. Sorry, I have, I have very strange notes. So please just bear with me for a second. I want to read it for you. And please don't judge my Bible either. <laughs> it's falling apart because I read it. Rather it fall apart than me. You have heard the commandments that say you must not commit adultery. Now this is just relating to adultery, but in, in Mark later on it says the same thing. But I like how they put it here because they say a few extra things. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. For some of you, I'm not going to look up. <laughs> Pay attention. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. I'm not literally asking you to do that today. Please don't take this as a <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Legal disclaimer. Do not gouge out or cut out any parts of your physical body today. But have the same mindset spiritually. What about this world do I love? You most likely love it because of the flesh. 
I'm wearing very comfortable clothes right now. It's, it's got enough room for me to move in, this, that, and the other. If God has to change my circumstance where I don't get to wear what I want to wear, I need to be okay. I need to be the same. I need to be, and here's the key, content no matter the circumstance. Some of us are waiting for more money. Some of us are waiting until we hit that ideal weight point in our body, in our fitness. Some of us are waiting for that child to come home. Some of us are waiting for that thing to happen. Some of us are waiting for that curse to be broken. Some things God wants to take his time in, some things he can do immediately. We shouldn't be bothered with which way are you going to do it, God, but that God can do it. And I know he is greater. I didn't even realize this thing about me or whatever the case is up until maybe a few months ago. God has been with me since I was born up until this point. And I'm doubting him now because in six months my eyes were awakened like Adam and Eve. Oh Lord, I hid because I am sinful. You've always been naked. We've always been sinners. By flesh. Come on. Did we forget that? I know it of myself. I, I've walked around sometimes in pride thinking, oh, I received revelation of God that killed that sin in my life. I must be one up, closer to heaven. If you want to speak to God, come speak to me because I really know him. I just spoke to him now. What do you, what do you want? What do you want? Bread and milk? We'll sort it out. No, I'll talk to him. Don't, you, he didn't answer you. <laughs> He's going to answer me because I'm closer to heaven. I'm one, I'm one up. Hey? Look at me, I'm standing on the mic with a stage. I'm three steps above all of you. I can look down at you. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm closer to God. No, that doesn't mean a thing. If when I go home, God doesn't know me. Please don't look at me or anybody else on the stage and envy them. The Bible says that we need to work out our own salvation with God, with trembling and fear. Don't look to your brother on the left or your sister on the right. Hear God. You and me. My sister's reading a book by um, Craig Rochelle. It's called Dangerous Prayers. There's three things, three prayers. And uh, I call her Pa. So I don't, I'm just going to speak with my sister. Pa, it's search me, break me, send me. Dangerous prayers. Search me. Break me. Send me. Are we after Jesus sometimes maybe because we like that feeling? I feel empowered. I feel put together. I feel whole again. I love that feeling. Instead of, God, I'm after you. You make me feel a certain way. I love you. And whether you make me feel that way or not, Lord Jesus, I love you and I want to be in your presence. So search me that anything in my heart that separates me from you, you can pull out. Search me, O oh God. The things that my flesh holds onto, identify it, Lord. Give me the grace and strength to part with it. I'd rather enter the kingdom of heaven with half of who I am than nothing at all. Break me, O oh God. Show me that I'm just like everybody else around me. The same people that I judge, I am like. In the spiritual and soulful, or rather in the sinful sense. I'm no different than you. I shouldn't 
be looking down at you. If you look down on me, that's between you and God. But Lord, break me. Break me. Don't make me think that I'm one up. I'm not. With you, I am more, Lord Jesus, but on my own, where would I be? Is this helping anybody today? Nelson Mandela said something in his inauguration speech in 1994 that he actually quoted from a poem um, from a lady by the name of Marianne Williamson um, who wrote it in 1992. Some of you may find this um, familiar. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Ring any bells? I wasn't even at the inauguration ring spells for me, but okay. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Oh, thanks. I'll take that one for myself, Lord. Church is not responding, so I'll take it. Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking. So that everyone, so that, or rather so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Job was going through a whole bunch of things in the Bible. The devil sought him out, picked on him unnecessarily, and God says, I know that I can trust Job. Doesn't say really why, but he says, I know that I can trust Job. Do your worst. The devil goes, does his worst, comes back the next day, says to God, I've been, been walking to and fro on the earth, and your man, Job, he still praises you because of these reasons. God says, okay, but don't touch him. Don't end his life, but do your worst. Everybody, including his own wife, says, give up on God. Look what he has done. Look what he has allowed. Actually, I hate her. God, where are you in Job's life? And Job says to everybody, even though he complained, even though he was upset, even though he was hurt and in pain, he told everybody, you don't know God. The reason I know this is in verse, uh, chapter 9 of Job. And I'll read verses 1 to 4. Then Job spoke again. Yes, I know all of this is true in principle. Keep that in your mind. But how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? If someone wanted to take God to court, would it be possible to answer him even in a thousand times? 
For God is so wise and so mighty. Who has ever challenged him successfully? Can we be honest today? When was the last time you went through something devastating and had that, that kind of conversation about God? I'm sure there are some of us. But what struck me was the words, in principle. I was like, I know this is all true in principle, in principle, in principle. And I felt like God told me this. You see, the difference with Job, God, uh, with, the difference with Job, Jared, is that I knew him. He knew me. We had relationship. And so you can quote whatever scripture you want, however you want to quote it. The difference is relationship. Some of you want to fact check me after this? Cool, go, go check the Bible verses, please do. I'm, I know there are people more smarter than me. Tell me more about the Bible. Go for it. But the thing that will help me validate if what you're saying is true is, is this how I know God myself? With my relationship with him, do I know this of him? If the answer is no, cool. Lord, I'd like to get to know you in this way, please. So, in praying for today, and you saw that the title of today's message was Pursue Again. Pursue Again. I don't believe any of you are here today because you haven't pursued God before, but if you haven't, we are here for you, and we'll, we'll, we want to spend some time with you at the end of the service. But today, God sent me to speak to those who need to pursue again. From December last year, when Pastor spoke to me and said, please, would you speak on the 29th of Jan, I started praying. And God gave me a very, very, very weird image. It was a picture of, uh, 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 what do they call those things? Crabs. Um, but those specific crabs that grow out of their shell. Have you seen those videos? They usually have like a, like a, like a, a sped up version of a crab that just kind of parks there and then all of a sudden crawls out of its own shell. You don't really notice the transition. Watch my words. You don't notice the transition, but eventually you start to see a difference. And eventually it breaks out of who it knew it used to be in pursuit of who it's called to be. Amazing revelation for me. A bit difficult because at the time I was going through pain. And I asked God, Lord, this feels so weird. I don't understand what's going on. It feels like I'm in limbo. And I'm here to speak to those people that have felt that for the last few years or however long in your life. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going on. I know I'm destined for more, but I don't know, I don't know what this feeling is. It's a place of transition. It's a place of growth. And that growth means you have to shift out of what you knew life to be. If God has to change some things in your life, but you still pursue him, you're growing. I wondered, how do, how do you get out of that shell? How do you know what's old shell, what's me? And, and it's just movement. There's certain movement that gets you going. There's certain release and letting go of, of what you were used to, what you were comfortable with. 
So I ask you today, what are the things you are holding on to that's keeping you back from growing? What are the things that we are holding on to that's keeping us back from knowing God? Really, truly. Because he doesn't want us to know us in this baby phase anymore. We're no longer to be, we shouldn't be coming here anymore to be getting, um, I don't know what's baby formula. I don't know baby formula names. Two kids? No, no I feel, we'll explain that afterwards, Uncle Alan, come see me. Come to youth on Friday nights. Um, there's a stage in my, in my daughter, Abby's going to be three in about a week or so. There's a stage where she transitioned from only milk to milk and food. Then from milk and food to just food. And the food started to get a bit thicker, a bit more difficult to chew on and then digest. We should, I'll never forget, I think it's so smart. We used to, to try and get her to eat vegetables. Rachel used to blend it and make like a, like a vegetable, it used to be like a sauce rather. And she'd put it on her food so that she's getting the nutrients from vegetables. Now we have to have the conversation with Abby, eat your vegetables. She's still getting fed, but not how she was used to. In pursuit of God, as we grow, we're still going to get fed, but it's not going to be how you're used to. That parts of our flesh that we need to let go of, how we used to relate to God, even some of the blessings that he's brought us through, if that's what's holding us back. But God, you did it for me before in this way. Why not now? The difference then is we were desperate for him. Now we're desperate for the same feeling. Can we, can we pursue him again? So today, let's just take a moment. Can you, can you close your eyes for a second? Think about how you have your quiet times. Think about how you relate to your family. Think about your, your daily commute or your, your normal schedule to work. Even think of something as common as if you're right-handed, think about how you've only ever known how to use your right hand. Now imagine God changes that entire thing. You have to find a new route to work. You have to start using your left hand to write, to eat. You're going to have to put in some work. But most of all, you're going to have to forget what used to be in pursuit of what is or what God is calling me to now. Think about it. If you're right-handed, try, try doing something with your left hand. It's a retraining of your mind, yes? Almost as if to say a transforming, a renewing of your mind, yes? Open your eyes. That's the most practical example I can give you today. What you knew life to be, let it go. Let go of your creature comforts. You know at the end of the day you're going to come home for some, maybe, maybe you have a drink. Maybe you have some sweets or chips. Maybe you spend time with your kids. Maybe, depending on what age you are, you, you're playing games, whatever the case is. At work, you're relating to your coworkers in a certain way. If we had to cut that off, all of, all of it today, and say, Lord, thank you that you're with me. Send me today, O oh God. Send me today, Lord Jesus, into this world to do what you call me to do. Have your way. And God changes everything. It's the leading and the prompting of the Holy Spirit that will help you navigate that day. That's what it's going to be in this transition process. The leading of Holy Spirit 
in your life that is going to guide you through every single day. The Bible says that we shouldn't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has its own worries. Be in today. The things that distract you while you're praying, bring it before God. Everything, whatever. Ah, oh, I knew I should have sent that email yesterday. Now I didn't send it in time. That person's going to be so upset. Oh, I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you, devil. Uh, um, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are a gracious God. No, bring it before God. God, help me. Help me in the situation today. Let God use that as a transforming moment in your life. Be sensitive. If he's teaching you about excellence in that moment, you would never know until you say, God, help me with this. And he will take you deeper where he needs to. He will take you by the hand. He'll lead you and guide you. But you need to take his hand back. In everything, pursue God. In everything, pursue God. And transform into the man and woman that God wants you to be. I just wanted to mention these things that I really felt God was saying that we should let go of. Fear. I wrote here, societal norms, insecurities, lack of identity. And I felt like God asked me, when it comes to identity, who is validating you? And what are you believing? If you're struggling with identity today, you don't know who you are in Christ, ask yourself those two questions. Who is validating you? And what are you believing? If the answers are not God and his word, take some time to recalibrate. We need to let go of hurt. Hurt, offense, all of that has a root in pride. Because it's about me. I say this at youth um, from time to time. I want our kids to be hot. Humble, obedient, and teachable. In my pursuit of God, I try. I don't always get it right, so don't look at me as a great example, but I try. Humble me, O oh God. Humility is not, I am nothing. It's not, it's not a downplaying of yourself, no. It's recognizing the greatness of our God. Recognizing that He is greater. Recognizing that He is bigger. Recognizing that He has been here before, He's with me now, and he'll be here after. So who better to submit myself to than him? Nobody. No man on this earth is better than God. Including this one. Myself. Don't look at me, look at yourself. Point yourself. <laughs> Obedience. Forgive that person. Oh. I'm, I'm going to say it for myself, ain't nah. Oof, forgiveness sounds nice, but it's like tofu. It's like, oh, I hate tofu. Oh, my, I don't want to use the word hate in church, but who, who invented that thing? Like somebody needs to address that guy and pray for deliverance. I don't know what that is. It's like licking a wet hand. Like there's no, there's nothing in it. There's, oh, tofu is terrible. Oh, my goodness. I cannot stomp. I will, I will, oh, oh. 
When you fast sometimes and you feel like, you know what, I'm going to have something nice because I'm having vegetables. Let's go to Simple Asia and they have that tofu thing. I'll throw that whole thing out because of tofu, man. Don't give me tofu. Yo, I can't stand tofu. I don't think you guys understand. Like, why would you want to invent something that's like licking a hand? That doesn't make sense. Put some spice in it. Like, it's terrible. Who wants it? But it's good for you, apparently. So is forgiveness. We may not like the taste of it, but it's worth it. It's good for us. It sets us free from what holds us back. It shows God, I'm willing to humble myself. I'm willing to put my preference aside and obey you so that there's nothing blocking us anymore. Obedience and being teachable. I don't know everything. Some of the verses that I quoted, we have Marika here. Marika, the other day was, she taught, I can't remember what verse we were discussing. Um, do you remember? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Neither of us remember. But she's like, but you know, Jared, that verse is not actually about this. It's about that. And I was shocked. And I was like, oh, wow. That means I've been misunderstanding some things about the Bible. Okay, cool. Now I can unpack more. That's great. We need to be teachable like that. We don't know everything. My goodness, we don't know everything. We know a little bit about a little bit. Let's not take pride in what we know. Let's take pride in who we know. I speak to you today not because I know more than you, but because this is what God has shown me, so I'm mirroring it to you. I'm still going to grow in this process myself. So it's not about me. It's about being teachable. And through me or through us being teachable, we can share the gospel of God. We can be the gospel of God. The fruits of the Spirit is not, for, is not for the elite and elders of the church and super high people. It's for everyone. And it's not for moments just like this. It's for the moments in the week where we need God, where that coworker bothers us, where our children are frustrating us, where we don't know where the next meal is coming from, when we don't know how we're going to pay for all of those bills. When, 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 when. Those are the moments we are meant to experience God every day. All day. He wants to be there for us. He is there for us. If only we can perceive it and reach out. I know this is a hard message. But there's hope. If you feel like this message was a bit too hard. A bit too, a bit too hot. But you know there's something in you that's saying, but I need it. I need to take my relationship more seriously. I need to put in the effort. I need to do the right things. Or way above all of that, I need Jesus. I need Jesus again. If I can just have Jesus, all of this will be worth it. If I can just have Jesus, I know there will be breakthrough, but I know there will be peace. If I can just have Jesus, he'll break these chains, but he'll also give me the grace and strength to endure. Pursue him again, because let me tell you something, church. He is thoroughly pursuing you. He has never stopped chasing after you. The Bible says that um, there is no place that we can run or hide from his love. Where can we go? Nowhere. He loves you.